Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. I hope you'll check out my website, atxgardens.com. And um, I'm so pleased to announce, but I know I don't need to announce, that winter has arrived in Central Texas last night. And... uh, most of the trees have lost their leaves now, except for our live oaks, of course, and some of the other evergreen trees. Um, but I really enjoyed this fall and the fall color on some of the trees and wanted to highlight, um, I'm going to highlight some of the my trees that have fall color because uh, I want people to plant more of them. Um, Texas ash. Texas ash have really nice kind of purple almost color and uh, they're really good trees and we can distinguish them from some of the Arizona ash that are aging out around town now Um, they're different from those so you might be familiar with the Arizona ash but the Texas ash is Different, it doesn't have the um, structural problems that the Arizona ash has. So the Texas ash has great fall color. Um, possum haw holly is one of my favorites. I include possum haws in almost all of my landscape designs. And uh, they're going to have yellow fall color with bright orange berries or red berries. So um, you'll see them now that everybody's lost their leaves with this big wind that came in this week. Uh, you'll see the possum haws around town with just their orange berries on the bare branches. It's really lovely. Um, flame leaf sumac, of course. And I have seen some around town, including one here in the KLBJ parking lot. Uh, flame leaf sumacs still have their leaves, so they're holding on, and they're gorgeous. Uh, bright red, orange color. And then the smoke trees, which I think is an underrated tree for Central Texas. I think we need more of them. Um, the American smoke trees, uh, they their color, fall color varies from tree to tree, but they can be sort of a, a red, orange to purple, to and, and also yellow. So just want to let everybody know that it is possible to get fall color in Central Texas. If you have a tree with good fall color, call me up and let me know. The number here is 512-836-0590. And I can take all of your gardening questions. You can also text that number if you have gardening questions or you want to tell me what's looking good in your garden or in your neighborhood these days. Um, But I really enjoyed the fall color this year. It was a pretty good year. I felt like last year was even better. Um, 
and would like to see more diversity in our tree canopy. So I'm asking y'all to plant some less known trees like the smoke trees, Texas ash, flame leaf sumacs, and possum haw hollies. Um, you know what else makes a good uh, fall color are fruit trees. Um, I know most people don't think of fruit trees for fall color, but a lot of the fruit trees have really nice fall color, peaches and plums and um, mulberries. And uh, it's getting to be fruit tree care time coming up. And I have a calendar for sale on my website um, that is a digital calendar that will automatically populate your uh, calendar on your phone or any device and give you reminders about when it's time to prune the trees, you know, trimming, harvesting, um, fruit thinning, spraying, all of the things that our fruit trees need. So if you're interested in that, check out atxgardens.com and click on shop and you'll see it there. Later today, I have a class that I'm teaching at The Natural Gardener and uh, at 10 o'clock about uh, caring for native plants during the winter. Um, so winter native plant care, how to take care of everybody in the winter. It's today at the Natural Gardener Nursery over in Oak Hill at 10 o'clock from 10 to noon. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 10 to 11. It's just one hour. You only get me for an hour. And um, really looking forward to that. I used to work at Natural Gardener a long time ago when I, before I started my business, 2003. And uh, had the pleasure of sitting down with John Dromgoole this week. And, of course, KLBJ listeners know John um, because he had his radio show here on KLBJ for 36 years. He was on the radio um, talking gardening, doing this exact thing, answering phone calls with questions about gardening and more. And um, it was a delight catching up with John um, I was asking him about his experience here at the radio station. He was uh, talking about when he first started, um, you know, first started the show. The studio was still downtown and it was really neat um, hearing about the history of the gardening shows here in Austin. Um, so it was a delight meeting up with John this week and chatting with him and catching up. And he's doing well. And uh, so I'll be over there at Natural Gardener today at 10 o'clock teaching a class if you want to join me about winter native plant maintenance. And I have more classes coming up in January at the Wildflower Center. Um, uh, January 27th from 10 to noon, 
I'm teaching a tree planting class at the Wildflower Center, and you've got to register for that one. So check out the Wildflower Center website. It's wildflower.org, wildflower.org for my tree pruning class. And then the following Saturday on February 3rd from 10 to noon, I'll be teaching a more expanded version of my winter care for native plants class. Um, So check out those two classes. You have to register for them at wildflower.org. But the one for the natural gardener today, you can just show up. So let's see. We've got a couple of text messages. Thanks, y'all. Let's see. Someone asked, what seeds can we still direct sow now in our garden? Thank you. Um. It's kind of an in-between time right now for direct sowing. Um, And the trouble now is that the soil temperature may be a little too cool for some of the seeds to sprout. And um, I always refer to the uh, Texas A&M Master Gardener uh, planting guide for this. And during the commercial break, I will find the name of that exact document and tell you how to find it so you can reference that. Um, At this time of year, I would do radishes, I'm sure would be fine. And spinach would do well from seed now. Um, Just your regular kind of Bloomsdale variety spinach. Um, One of my favorite varieties of spinach is called Monstro de Vurio. It's French, but it has huge leaves. Um, And I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, (laughs) but um, huge leaves. And uh, the spinach is one of the crops that actually needs cooler temperatures, soil, um, a cooler soil temp to sprout. So I think you could do radishes and spinach. And during the commercial, I will find that guide so that we can talk about more possibilities I'm making a note all right so and I'll get back to you so keep listening thank you for your good question here's another text message they say I want to plant two Monterey oaks is it okay to plant now and please talk about pruning peach trees thanks yeah so um Definitely find plant Monterey oaks right now. It's tree planting season, y'all. It's a great time to plant most trees, especially oaks. There is a very slim possibility if we get a really, really hard freeze um, and it gets super cold that your Monterey oaks might get damaged. But um, it's not a deal breaker. It's a very slim chance. So go ahead and plant your Monterey oaks now. That's wonderful. They're wonderful trees. You're going to love them. Fast growing, really good oaks. And then after the commercial, I'll talk a little bit about peach tree pruning because that is going to take me a long time to talk about. So y'all join me today at Natural Gardener at 10 o'clock for my class about maintaining native plants in the winter. And like I said, it's tree planting time. Check out some possum haw hollies, Texas ash, smoke trees, things like that. 
And I'm Colleen Dieter with ATX Gardens. And now we're going to go to a break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter. I'm a landscape consultant with ATXGardens.com. And this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm answering your gardening questions every Saturday morning. Um, so Steve and Leander texted. Steve's a big fan. Thanks for listening. He sent a beautiful photo of his red oak. It still has nice fall color on it. Boy, it's gorgeous. Steve, that's a beautiful tree. Thanks for sending. And then I got another text. Someone else saying my big tooth maple is still red which is great. Oh man, big tooth maples. They're so beautiful. It's a great native tree um, with beautiful fall color. The big tooth maples, if you can find one, they are wonderful, worth planting. Thank you for sharing y'all. So um, going back to the question we had a little earlier over text of what seeds can we direct sow into the vegetable garden right now? Um, I looked it up on the vegetable garden planting guide. So check that out whenever you're in doubt because it's so hard to remember. Um, It's a lot of information to try to remember. You can check out the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension vegetable garden planting guide. Um, And this is the... I live in, my vegetable garden lives and dies by this calendar. Um, This is the most important thing to being a successful vegetable gardener in Texas is using this vegetable garden planting guide from Texas A&M because our seasons are not like any other uh, place in the world. We have very unusual climate, very unusual seasons. So the timing for planting vegetables is really important. And we're in a little gap right now. There's not a whole lot that you can plant from seed at this time of year um, because of the long winter ahead of us. Uh, But you could still do lettuce and Asian greens. And so I think that's things like bok choy, um, certain types of like mizuna mustard and stuff like that. I would consider Asian greens. That's a little bit of a hinky term, but yeah, I think um, go ahead and try that out. But definitely radish and spinach, like I said earlier. And then the big planting time comes in late January uh, with beets um, and then more uh, transplants um, and carrots and stuff like that later, a little bit later so that they'll be ripening when it's warming up a little bit more in the spring. So, all right, so check that out, y'all, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Vegetable Garden Planting Guide. Um, That's the key to success for vegetable gardening around here. And I had a request to talk about peach tree pruning 
And that is my pleasure. I love talking about any kind of fruit tree care. Um, Peach tree pruning in particular can be a little tricky. Um, But as long as you're thinking while you're trimming your peach trees of what shape you want it to look like when you're done, um, that's the key to success. And, um, you know, fruit trees are really different from other kinds of trees. You can trim a lot uh, off of a fruit tree, and it's okay. Uh, and, and you really can shape fruit trees to be whatever shape you want. Um, so peach trees, most people opt to trim their peach trees so that they are shaped like a vase or a martini glass when they're done. Um, and so that means removing any branches that are growing into the center of the canopy of the tree. Um, you can leave small branches like little twigs are fine. Um, because a lot of times those little twigs bear fruit, uh, but bigger branches that are growing into the middle of the canopy, you'd want to remove those. Okay, because what we want is light penetration and airflow into the center of the tree to help prevent diseases. And so, and so that the whole tree gets light so the fruit can develop and ripen evenly. Okay. And um, sometimes, though, you get peach trees occasionally that have a central leader. So instead of being shaped like a martini glass, they're shaped more like a pyramid or a Christmas tree. And that's okay. That just happens sometimes. Just depends on the tree. It depends on how the tree was treated at the nursery and when it was first planted. So that's okay. You just want to make sure that you just have one single leader going up through the middle so that it looks just like a Christmas tree and you don't have um, like two trunks coming up real close to each other, okay? Because that's a structural defect where when the tree has fruit on it and it's weighed down with the extra weight, that branch or those two trunks can split from each other because they're too close together. If they're shaped, you know, the branch union where those two branches or those two trunks is shaped like a V, then each year when the tree grows in diameter, those trunks grow in diameter, they push against each other. And then that branch union gets weaker and weaker And then when it's holding leaves and fruit and it's heavy, it'll just rip the tree right apart. Okay, so if you have that situation where you have two leaders on a tree that's shaped like a Christmas tree or shaped like a pyramid, you need to remove one of them. Okay, and then you want to remove branches that are growing back into the middle of the tree. All right, that are crossing each other and shading the middle of the tree. All right, so that's that's the quick version uh, for radio. It's hard to talk about on the radio, but um, 
that's the quick version. And then you can shorten the branches if you want to uh, to keep the tree shorter. Um, that's called heading back. And um, that way you don't need a ladder to harvest the fruit. And um, you won't have fruit way out on the ends of the branches weighing the branches down where they're weak, where they're not, you know, really thick branches that are thick enough to hold fruit. So you can really control the shape and size of the tree. And there's a million ways. And, you know, humans have been producing fruit, domestic fruit for, you know, 6,000 years, I think. And so there's a million different ways to prune a fruit tree. That's what makes it so confusing. But you get to decide how you want to do it. Um, And keep in mind that it's good for the tree to have airflow and light penetration into the middle. You want to prune out any co-dominant stems or narrow branch unions to protect the tree from structural defects. And then you can control the size of the tree to make it shorter, um, to make the branches shorter if you want to. Okay. So that's why fruit tree pruning is so confusing because there's so many ways to do it and there's so much flexibility. Um, And it also depends on the age of the tree. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds with that here. But all right. So that's the crash course in peach tree pruning. So... Here's a question from a listener. I'm texting you to ask your opinion for care of a ginkgo I purchased one of a few years from the natural gardener. It's holding on but not doing great. I do know they're not really adapted, but it's my favorite tree. So just keep doing what you're doing. And I'll talk more about that after the break. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. Um, and you can call me or text me this morning with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590. And, uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about ginkgo trees because we have a text message here from someone who has a ginkgo tree that's not doing great. Um, so just keep doing what you're doing. It's just been that ginkgo tree has had a horrible life (laughs) because we've had such horrible weather since it was planted. Um, if you bought it in a pot and it came in a five gallon pot, then it needs five gallons of water once a week. Um, maybe a ginkgo tree might benefit from a little bit more water. Um, but make sure you're watering it at least once a week. Um, make sure that there's no soil or mulch 
piled up against the trunk where it's touching the trunk and that the bottom of the trunk is clear of any material, that will help. And it really takes three to five years uh, for trees to start growing after they're planted. So hang in there, especially a ginkgo because they're not native here, um, but they're still going to do fine. And actually, since I was just talking to John, John Dromgul this week, he said the ginkgo's his favorite tree. So that's pretty neat. Um, so they will do well here once established. It's just the establishing period is going to be a little rough, um, especially with the 100 degree weather we had all summer and the extreme drought that we're in now. So just keep watering it. Um, make sure that it does have mulch around it and that you're not hitting the trunk with um, mowing equipment. Um, you want to have mulch over the root zone, but not touching the trunk. So it should be like shaped like a donut with the tree coming up through the middle of the donut. And you'll be all set. And talk about fall color. Ginkgos have lovely yellow fall color. So that's a cool rare tree. You don't see them around here very much. Um, so hang in there with it. And like I said, it takes five, three to five years before trees really start growing after they've been planted because they go through transplant shock for a long time. Okay, we're getting a lot more calls and texts here. Um, let's see, we've got one saying horticulture hangover. Can you talk about care and pruning, fertilizing of lime trees? I've had one in a large pot for six years. Thanks. Yes, for sure. I have a lime tree in a pot too. And um, really once a month, uh, giving it some fertilizer makes a huge difference if you have citrus in a pot. Um, because they are completely dependent on you to, for feeding. So I like to use um, an organic liquid fertilizer um, called Hastagrow. It's made by Medina. That's a great product um, that will motivate it to bloom and make fruit. And then about once a year, usually around this time because I move my lime tree in and out of the garage for when it's when there's freezing weather to protect it from the cold and um, usually I get some broken branches so I end up pruning the tree at this time and I prune it um, to remove the branches that are growing back into the middle of the canopy so that it gets good airflow into the center so if you have branches that are growing that are crossing each other through the middle of the tree, remove those um, because citrus trees are really prone to scale insect problems and removing those branches will help prevent scale. Um, and then you can prune it to control the size too if it's in a pot and you want to keep it small. Um, and I just do that once a year, usually... January, February, or March is the time when 
when I do it. And that little bit of fertilizer, you'll be all set. Okay, now we've got a call from Wayne in Bee Caves. Hi, Wayne. Thanks for calling. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Um, I'm trying to think about what I need to do in advance of cold winter weather for various plants that we have in our our yard. We have uh, foxtails. We have iron. What are they called? Cast iron plants Mm -hmm. or iron plants. We have plumbagos, we have variegated ginger, uh, and lantana. So uh, what do I cut back? What do I just, you know, what temperatures do I need to cover them up? Uh, we lost a lot of plants last year with the cold weather, and I'm just trying to think ahead and do what I can before we get our first super cold spell. So yeah. what would you recommend? So are they newly planted? Uh, oh, I think they're all about a year old, a year to two years old, so okay. they're, they're relatively immature. They're not brand new. Okay. Most of them should be fine, and you just wait until there's a freeze, and then cut the tops off of all of them except for the foxtail ferns and the cast iron plants. Um, the foxtail ferns and the cast iron plants won't, their tops won't freeze unless it gets really, really cold. Um, they're generally more evergreen, but the lantanas, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yes, ma'am. Uh, the, the foxtails, while they got kind of beat up last year, I think they all came back. Okay, And good. then the iron, the cast iron plants, you know, they showed some, oh, oh. You know, they seem to be impacted somewhat by the cold weather, but they also came back. It's, it's more the plumbagos and the variegated ginger and the um, and lantanas. And now the lantanas are new. They got planted last spring. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm more worried about how they're going to handle the next cold, cold snap. Right. So, when they're... The gingers are really borderline hardy here i found um and sometimes they don't come back so uh depending on how many you have and what you're willing to do you may want to cover the ginger if it's going to get down below like 28 or lower um i think make sure that they're all watered that's the most important thing is to make sure they have enough water before it gets that cold um, and you may want to cover the gingers because they're the most vulnerable. Um, yep. Yep. Same. The plumbagos are the same. The plumbagos, once they're established, where if you've had them for a couple of years, um, you shouldn't need to cover them at all. And they should grow back after cold, even if it's really, really cold. Their roots will still survive and grow back. But when they're new... Um, If they've been in the ground for less than a year, uh, you may want to cover them, too, to protect them. But later, you shouldn't have to. Um, Do you cut them them back after a a freeze? I do. do. Just let them? Okay. Yeah, I do. How far would you cut them back? So I cut them back so that there's just a few inches of stem sticking up out of the ground so I can remember that they're there. Uh-huh. That's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> and that way... You don't want to trip over them or forget about them. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So you got to make sure that you remember they're there because they're going to um, grow back pretty slowly in the spring, too. Like, 
<clears throat> you probably won't see them grow back until late April or early May for the plumbagos yep. and the lantanas and the gingers. Um, okay. They really need hot weather before they start growing back. So um, that's why leaving the stems sticking out helps a lot. So, yep. Yep. yeah. And yeah. then on the, on the variegated gingers, you know, they're real big and leafy. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so you, you cover them if it's going to be a hard freeze, 28 or so. And then do you cut them back or do you just let them just handle it on their own? If they if the tops freeze and they're damaged, then, yeah, then you cut them back after they're okay. damaged. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Colleen, thank you very, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see if we can keep more of them alive for springtime. Good luck, Wayne. I hope we have a more mild winter this year. Yes, ma'am. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks. Good, good, good morning. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, y'all, we're going to go to a break now. Thanks. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. I'm a landscape consultant. Check out my website, atxgardens.com. And I've got a text message here where someone said, Hi, Leah. I covered my garden, so the freeze only got a few leaves and peppers on the tallest stems. Uh, do I or do I leave them or trim them off? And then sent a smiley face that said, I meant Colleen. And that's okay to show some love for Leah, who's no longer on the show with me, but we still have the Horticulturati podcast together. And I know some of our listeners have been anxiously awaiting our next episode of Horticulturati and hang in there. We just got busy during the fall season and haven't had time to record as much as we would like to. So um, we're going to be recording next week for the Horticulturati podcast. So check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, me and Leah are, you know, Leah and I are doing the Horticulturati podcast still and we'll be recording soon. So, but I'm here every Saturday um, and to answer your question about the freeze on your on your peppers, go ahead and trim that off. Um, trim off all the damaged parts, okay? Because they're just gonna um, dry up and die. And it, usually any part of a plant that's damaged, freeze damage, it's not going to recover. So you just need to trim that off. And then um, that's really cool that you still have peppers all the way through December here. Um, it's kind of nice when we have a mild winter and we get to enjoy uh, peppers for longer. So, yeah, go ahead and trim those off. And um, I've got another text message here. And it says, good morning. What size pot do you recommend to grow citrus trees? Thanks and Merry Christmas. Um, let's see. So... For growing citrus trees, um, I think you need at least a five-gallon pot. Usually they're sold in three gallons. Um, 
And the thing about citrus trees is you don't want to put them in a pot that's too big because uh, <clears throat> they will, it's really easy to overwater them. So if you buy a citrus tree in a three gallon pot, usually they're sold that way. Get a five gallon pot, um, just one size up from that and pot it up in there. Okay. And so um, they'll be able to help you at the nursery uh, to figure out what kind of pot to put in there to put it in. Um, but you just don't want to go really, really big uh, until the tree gets bigger. Because if you put a small plant in a really big pot, um, it can affect the drainage of the pot. It's kind of a weird phenomenon, but it can be really easy to overwater a plant if it's too small and it's in a really big pot. So you just want to go one pot size up from however you bought it or got it in. Okay. Um, and so usually they come in three gallon pots and the next size up from that would be a five gallon. Um, but you can't, you know, you just don't want to put it in something humongous. Because then it won't drain properly and then you can overwater. And the, the um, citrus are really sensitive to overwatering. So <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to say about since we're getting questions about growing citrus trees in pots is the soil. And it's really important to use potting soil. Okay, whenever you're growing any kind of plant in a pot, for the most part, but especially citrus trees, you don't want to just use soil from your yard. Okay, you've got to use potting soil because the soil from your yard won't drain properly in the pot. Um, when the water drains out of it and evaporates out of the top of the pot uh, from all sides, it's going to shrink too much and it'll become really, really hard. So you've got to use potting soil that is meant for um, growing plants in pots so that it doesn't expand and contract so dramatically. It's more stable. Uh, so that way it won't shrink and the water can still go through it. So make sure you use potting soil. And when I first pot up a citrus tree, when I'm uh, planting it in the pot for the first time, I will add some dry fertilizer to organic dry fertilizer um, with a higher middle number to help promote fruiting. Um, and so there's one called Espoma Citrus Tone that I like a lot. It might not have a higher middle number, but that one's still really good, made just for citrus trees and it's organic. And it's going to give it a real gentle feeding while it's while the tree is getting established in its new home in the pot. And if you have citrus in pots um, that you've had for a while, it's a good idea to repot them once every maybe two, three years um, with new potting soil. You can pull that tree out of the pot shake off a lot of the old soil, dump out the old soil, and put some fresh potting soil in there. Um, so that way 
when potting soil gets old, it starts to decompose and then it starts to lose its structure and it won't drain properly. So either sometimes you'll water and all the water will just gush out of the bottom of the pot. That's how you know it's time to repot. Okay. And then sometimes, um, you know, if you have potting soil that's decomposing, it'll hold onto water for too long as well. So you just have to repot every now and then with some fresh potting soil. Okay, and then at that time you get to decide whether or not you want to keep the tree in the same size pot or if you want to bump it up to the next bigger size pot. And you can keep it in the same size pot, but you have to root prune the tree then so that it's not root bound where the roots are too big to fit into the pot. Okay. So you'd have to cut off the bottom quarter or bottom third of the root ball to fit it back into the pot, same pot with the potting soil. And that's fine. You can do that if you like the pot that you have and you don't want the tree to get much bigger. Um, you can control the tree's size that way by root pruning. But if you want the tree to get bigger, maybe you just like the way a bigger tree looks or you want more fruit from a bigger tree, then um, then you can bump the tree up to the next bigger size pot. So you buy a pot that's a little bit bigger and then go ahead and loosen the roots a little bit, but you don't have to cut them off and then put the tree into the bigger pot with fresh potting soil. Okay. And a little bit of dry organic fertilizer mixed in with the potting soil. And now y'all know everything about citrus. No, there's so much to know. Um, somebody texted here about epiphyllum. What do I do with these two plants? Mine have never bloomed and friends' plants are blooming now. Um, so... Oh, and asked about planting a possum haw holly. Is it too late to plant? No, plant your possum haw holly now. And I think with your epiphyllums, I think you just need a little more patience and maybe a little fertilizer. So try some has to grow on those and see if that works. And we're running out of time today, y'all. Sorry, I won't get to your next question. Um, but I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. This is the Horticulture Hangover Show, and I will see y'all next week. Thanks.